Welcome to Our International Story, a podcast about international students. In this show, we will know more about struggles, achievements, and journey of inspiring international students from their home country to living and studying overseas. I'm your host, Freya, and this podcast also portrays my journey as an international student. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I'll be talking to Urshan Chong. He's a marketer, startup enthusiast, and international education supporter. He's strongly passionate about enhancing students' employability and on his quest to help international students struggling to find a job, he founded his first business startup called Startup Interns. He has work experience in three different countries and across various industries. In 2019, he was named as the Outstanding Young Achiever by the Department of Local Government, Racing and Multicultural Affairs. Welcome to the show, Ocean, and thank you for dialing in from Brizzy or Brisbane. Which one would you prefer? Oh, Brisbane, mate. <laughs> thank you for having me. No worries. Thanks, Ocean. So just dive into a journey, like, you know, where are you originally from and how did you decide to come to Australia? Yeah, cool. So I'm originally from Hong Kong. I came here in 2016. So I started my pathway study and then like went to uni here, went to UQ, University of Queensland. And then I started a business while I was studying and then now I'm working uh, full time for Pratera. So yeah. That's been quite a journey. And you mentioned that you've been here for past four, four and a half years. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot to achieve in such a short span of time. And you did mention about starting a business and you have done some amazing work in the startup space already. So just wanting to know what really sparked your interest in entrepreneurship and when was that aha moment that, look, I want to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, look, I always want to do something different. Like when I was in school, I always want to be an entrepreneur. You know, I was like trying to sell sausages on campus and like doing a lot of like interesting things. But up to a point when I choose to study overseas and I really want to try something really, really different, something I haven't experienced before. And that's how I get into entrepreneurship. So when I first started, I didn't have any ideas. So I started off entering for an accelerator program in UQ. So it's a startup accelerator called iLab. So I work really close with a lot of startup founders and a lot of entrepreneurs in the coworking space and, and just doing a lot of like, you know, events management and admin work but are learning a lot uh, from, from them, not only from the technological perspective, but also, you know, the energy, the drive, the passion, uh, everything, just, just amazing. So I really find this space is, is for me. So that's how I first started, started as an intern and then uh, worked through my journey. And then I, I, uh, while I was working for intern, as an intern, I kind of see the problem of student intern onboarding. So, you know, you work in universities, you definitely know when university recruit organizations and interns, we need to go through a lot of procedures. And what we normally do is we ask student to fill in a form and then we sign it and then scan it, upload it to, you know, send a PDF or whatever. And I was thinking, how about uh, we digitalize the whole process? So that's how uh, I first started. And that was the first idea of startup interns, making um, internship process more smooth, more digitalized, more uh, automation. So uh, that's the first idea of startup interns. 
That's fantastic. And you did mention about a couple of things here. The first one I want to know is for some of our listeners who don't know what is an accelerator program, can you explain a little bit about that in terms of what it means and what does the process looks like? Yeah, yeah. Actually, my story hasn't finished. Uh, I may just keep going with that first. So uh, actually, that's how the first idea uh, formed. But, you know, things just didn't work out with all the regulations and stuff. The technology wasn't there as well. So like I had a, like, you know, a lot of conversation with my team and we end up preferred and we changed our whole business model to an ex- experiential learning program. So instead of building a platform, we connect students with tech startups um, to run programs, to run different initiatives to enhance student employability and entrepreneurial mindsets. So last year, well, two years ago, we, we were applying for grants from Study Queensland to run a program called Student Employability Accelerator Program. So uh, that's more people knowing of um, me uh, and staff interns. And while we were doing the program, we also you know um, uh, did a little bit of uh, consulting projects as well. So yeah, that's the um, whole idea of Startup Interns and that's the work I was doing in the last two years. That sounds fantastic. Do you have anything else to add to this? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much for Startup Interns. Go back to your questions. So when you were saying accelerator program, so pretty much when a startup, well, not even launched it, when the idea uh, sparked, we need need support. And, you know, incubators, accelerator programs, they are uh, the programs to support entrepreneurs and founders and co-founders to incubate, to accelerate their ideas. So it really depends on the organizations. Like in UQ, we offer grants money, we offer mentorship, we offer uh, different packages, you know, like AWS and cloud services, um, those packages for, for founders to use, and also with a co-working space as well. So in a nutshell, I would say uh, Accelerator program is kind of like a supporter for entrepreneurs to uh, accelerate their business in six to 12 weeks. Yep. Okay. That's a fairly, do you feel it's a um, fairly short span of time, but it still gives them the basis to, in order to validate their idea. Is that right? Yeah. I guess the difference between um, Accelerator program and Incubator program is if you are going for an Accelerator program, you probably have some traction for your business. So either you're already making sales or you have a really strong customer base who are interested in your business or interested in your solutions. So you're not just, you know, testing out your idea, but you're actually doing something. You're actually doing something. You're actually getting some stuff done. So that's the difference between accelerator and incubator. Perfect. Sounds good. Now, talking about that a bit further, so what's the first starting point for any student who wants to explore entrepreneurship a little bit more? Where do they start? You know, where do they go? Entrepreneurship, especially for startups, definitely go to events like Pitch Fest, Startup Weekend, Hackathon. Just have a, day, have a taste of you know, entrepreneurship and, and, and startup in general. But also, like in my case, I interned in startups and that's, that's the best way to learn about like, the knowledge and um, like, all things in entrepreneurship. And also volunteer for events as well, like, you know, for Startup Weekend, those kind of things. There are a lot, lot of opportunities for students to join. And you did mention previously about the support from the university as well. So you can go visit your um, university programs or startup programs if there are any, and they will be able to provide support as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, not not that many universities have those like you know money and resources to to encourage students to to take part. Um, but at least you know for startup weekend and then those kind of events, it's pretty good value. Like you can spend um, like fifty bucks and three days learn about entrepreneurship. Really intense, just a day in life as an entrepreneur. So yeah, that's that's a really good way to learn things. And also other programs from like you're from Melbourne, let's say from um, Study Melbourne, they do a lot of projects, you know, live project, different initiative that's encourage students to learn experientially. So what I mean mm. is you work and then you reflect and you meet connection, you meet like people like mentors and industry professionals as well. So that's a really good way to build your network and, and know p- different people and and for you to understand different pro- different problems in the world and different perspectives of like a solution as well. Yep. And I did look up online, um, obviously, a lot of universities who are running um, startup programs that do have a lot of events that are open for anyone to join. So that's another good avenue that you can, even if your university doesn't have one, you can start exploring other universities space and then attend those events because essentially the resources or the information they share would be highly valuable in that case as well. Yeah, yeah. And even like speaking body about entrepreneurship, not necessarily if a tech startup, if you are just thinking to, well, actually, before I jump into this, I want to like give my definition of entrepreneurship. So my understanding of entrepreneurship is to is the ability or the capability of how to define a problem and how to bring uh, meaningful solutions to solve that problem. So um, not necessarily about you know running business and then making money. It's more about the mindsets. So how you learn things how you define problems, how you validate your problems, how to make sure the problem you're facing is not only just yourself, it's, it's, it's a really common problem and, and worth to solve. And also things like, you know, how to learn from fails, how to collaborate with people, and mm-hmm. how to, um, how to um, do different things. And that's, that's in a nutshell, like how you, how you learn as an entrepreneur. So that's, that's my definition of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's a very interesting concept because in my understanding or even, you know, a lot of my, a lot of understanding was someone who runs a business as an entrepreneur, but that's a very different angle to thinking about it from a perspective that someone who is a, who understands a problem and is able to solve it, but not necessarily running the business is an entrepreneur. So that's very, you know, useful insight there. And I think I've got a lot to think about it as well, because um, I've ne- have, I'd never thought about that from that angle. Yeah, and there's a new term, well, not that new actually, like entrepreneurship. So you are not necessarily the person who owns the business, the entrepreneur, but you act like an entrepreneur within an organization. So, you know, the same skills you how you think critically, how you validate your problems uh, with other teammates, how you solve the problems with other people, how to pitch your solutions to other people, your managers, supervisors, or or your colleagues, whatever, and that's that's and how you take risks as well. So that's that's the idea of entrepreneurship within an organization, and we call it entrepreneurship. Hmm. So taking risk within an organization is a very interesting concept that you spoke about here. So how can someone be an entrepreneur while they're working in an office environment where, you know, the the way someone works or the things that they do can be quite restrictive depending on the organizational structure? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really good question, actually, because I'm writing an article about um, how you can, like how to pitch an idea to your supervisor in a good way. 
Like first thing, first thing come to my mind is about empathy. So how you think yourself in other people's shoes. So let's say not everyone want to change, and actually, like most of the people don't want to change. And the way you you when you propose an idea is to think in other people's shoes. Just think about when you、uh, propose an idea, what's value you can add to your organization, what's value you can add to other people, and what's value you can add to yourself. And when you propose an idea, when things need to be changed,、uh, what adjustment you need to make、uh, with your colleagues, with your supervisor? Like, do they need to work longer hours? Do they need to adjust your timetable? Blah blah blah. Do they need to share your workload? I guess just be considerate. Just think about other people. And before you propose your idea, just have like think through all those things, and have like a really draft proposal、um, to make sure what you are proposing is making sense and also making good value. Your value is、uh, greater than your cost. The cost of like changing whatever, changing the culture, changing the way you do it, you you do things, changing the process. Just yeah, just be empathy in general. And I think one of the things、uh, when talking about empathy is also the timing of the idea. So if you realize that there is an issue or there is a problem that I want to solve, solving it at as and when it occurs rather than delaying it and then not going at the right time can also be a hindrance because if someone really needs a solution at that point in time, and if you are Going with the solution at that point, then it's much easier to convince your manager or your supervisor with the proposal you're saying, rather than delaying it down the track. Yeah, and sometimes things like you know, some sometimes you don't have to change things. I guess that's more、um, common in like let's say in a software company. Like you know, if you see a bug in your software, you don't like. If you work with engineers, if you work with like people from IT background, you you probably know sometimes the time and the effort you put into、uh, changing things, yeah, you make things more pretty, but like in the end, doesn't change much as like in the function. So sometimes just like you know, talk to more people and 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 understand what's other people thinking and then like thinking different perspective. That's that's how、um, you you know build your idea and make sure you're making value out of your ideas. Thanks for that insight,、um, Ocean. My my next question is something similar to it. Whereas you obviously have a creative side to yours as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, there is also a trend of side hustling these days,、um, where people are doing it, where they're pursuing a hobby or they're running a business on the side in addition to their mainstream source of income. So, what's your take on it, and how can someone take that plunge from side hustling to a full time entrepreneur? Well, I'm actually not the best person to answer the question because I you know I, when I was studying, I have really flexible schedule and I can do whatever I want. I can do side hustles, make my side hustle is my main hustle. It doesn't matter. But now I'm working full time. I really feel the pressures and and the effort. So kind of miss my old time. But yeah, um, um, and and that's another conversation as well. So if you are a student, that's the best time to start a business. Actually. Um, that's the best time. You don't have pressure from your family, from you know financial pressures,、um, and also you have like more time to to do things as well. But for you know making side hustle as a main hustle, is, I would I would think in this way. Actually, being a freelancer is pretty much being an entrepreneur, because you know、yeah. how you set your goals, your KPIs,、um, how you manage your own finance, your branding. Um, how you manage your stakeholder relationships,、um, those kind of things, like they are all transferable and they are pretty pretty similar. 
So, well, before I co-founded、um, Startup Insurance, I was doing a lot of video for the Shin. That's that was my freelance work as well. So that's how I know you know how to register ABN, how to build your brand, how to like make websites, these kind of things. So、um, yeah, it's kind of like if you if you are passionate about something, just do it. But make sure you confirm with your organizations because sometimes、um, you know there are conflict of interest in in your work as well. So yeah, just be more just be more considerate about it. Yeah, and you raised a very good point about having some sort of side hustling or freelancing while you're a student is invaluable because the skills that you can pick up at that point, especially because you don't have the pressure of a full time job at that point in time, is quite invaluable. And you can devote more time going into, and especially during the summer breaks when you have the liberty of not studying over the over the break, if you like, and then pursuing that hobby full time during that period, and then polishing it a bit further. Yeah,、uh, even just you know, let's say if you're working nine to five, and when you finish work, you're tired, you don't want to go to events, and you know, just, and 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 different to a student, like you know, as a student, you can watch your lectures online, you can skip your class. I'm not recommended, but you can do whatever you want with with your daytime, and and of course, you can like you know do things in、uh, go to startup again, a lot of things as well. So, yeah. I miss that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> so I, I read your interesting articles that you've published on、um, your website, and there was an article about why international students should volunteer. So can you share some tips, some quick tips on how volunteering can help students? Well, interesting you bring it up because my first、uh, professional job actually come from my volunteering experience in Australia. So I was working for MDA Multicultural Australia.、Uh, so it's, it's an NGO. We providing services for refugees and asylum seekers and people who are new to、uh, Australia. So my work, like my volunteering experience, pretty simple. I was like helping out events. I was doing some media production for them as well. And that's how I first connect with the society, like connect with Australia. Um, in terms of you know the people here, in terms of the cultures, in terms of languages, so and like that's that's a really good way for me to you know step in step into um um the Australian society and and, and community. So um like I I put out a few ideas in the article. So of course when you are volunteering, you definitely need to have a passion to learn. So understanding what's You are passionate about, like if you are passionate about animals, volunteer for organizations related to those topics. If you're, if you are passionate about educations, maybe volunteer for schools, whatever. And also, when you are volunteering, you you make sure you are learning new things,、uh, whatever they are, technical skills or or soft skills, or professional skills, or or、um, uh, just learn from other people.、Mm-hmm. And and another thing is like you need to take initiative. So I know you you are like volunteering for for free. You are not、uh, making any money, but if you are already contributing your time to the organizations, you definitely want to take more initiative、um, to learn、uh, more things and to input more as well. Yeah, I realized the same because I started volunteering quite a bit in accounting areas where. You know, because I started studying Bachelor of Commerce, and then I volunteered at the university as well in different roles. 
And sometimes it just quite helps because you build those lasting connections with the professional networks and you are able to attend a lot of meetings, events and contribute and people start knowing you. And there was a time when someone just offered me a job because they had seen me working as a volunteer and they said, you know, we really like your work. Would you like to take on this part-time role? So you never know what opportunities come along the way from volunteering. And um, all you need to do is just be passionate about it and put, put your 100% into the role you do, regardless of whether it's paid or unpaid. Yeah, but just just be careful. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when you're volunteering, you make sure you're volunteering for a charity or NGO. Because in Australia, you can't volunteer or you can't work for free for a commercialized organizations. If that's just not part of your degree, it's not part of your work integrating learning. Part, if you if you are not getting uh, academic credits, you can't work for an organization. That's yeah, in a nutshell. But if you are doing it with your degree, with your universities, that's fine. Mm. Yeah, just make sure you you don't have any just duty of care. Yes, yes, hundred percent. That's a very valid point. And sometimes it's and it's definitely good to be knowing your rights and obligations as an international student. So it's very good to stay informed and be on top of um, the regulations that any international student need to be aware of. That raises a very good valid point. Thanks, Ocean. Now that moves me into uh, we are going into the last full fledged question, and then we go into the rapid fire round. So the last question for you is, you know, I noticed that you have a vast network of people around you, be it on LinkedIn or, you know, elsewhere. So what's the key of maintaining a lasting professional relationship with someone you've just met or um, at an event or let's say a volunteering opportunity? And even if you have traveled to somewhere else, um, how do you keep in touch? I guess first thing first, you have to write a following up, like follow up emails or message um, to the person you just met just you know refresh the idea and and uh, make sure um, you both are connected whatever business cards or linking connections whatever that's the first thing i actually have an article about like how to write full-up emails to to people so if you guys want to check it out it's on my linkedin and also i do have my own crm so customer relations uh, management um, too so pretty much you record everything, everyone you met to a spreadsheet or in my case, I put it on HubSpot. So yeah, I put like the name, their organization, their positions, industry, how we met, blah, blah, blah. Just just like make it tidy and make it, you know, record who you met. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really important when you're looking for people because when you're looking for connections, you can just go through your CRM and find people who are in your network. I guess yeah. like LinkedIn has the th- same function as well, but sometimes I just like, you know, if you have like 2000 connections, it's pretty hard to go through one by up and, and then they don't, they don't have a filter feature as well. Maybe in gen in, in, in the future, but not yet. Yeah. yeah. So having your own CRM is really good. And you mentioned that you're putting it on HubSpot. So if someone is wanting to keep it simple, um, they can even start with Excel spreadsheet to begin with, and then move on to a bit more full-fledged, online tool if they like and then at least record start recording those connections on excel or tools like hubspot would be a good idea yeah i mean hubspot is free i use it because i i'm familiar with this software like they used to be better even better they used like in the last two years around two years you can just integrate your gmail with your hubspot account so you don't need to like do any data entry with with your gmail so, but now they don't have that function anymore. 
But for LinkedIn, actually, you can download your connections to a spreadsheet and you can add it from there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's a really good tool to use as well. And um, things like Airtable and you know, spreadsheets, they kind of similar, you know, Excel and stuff. So yeah, just just find something you're familiar with. That's a very good tip. And you can sometimes what I do is I also send New Year wishes or birthday wishes to my connections as well, just so you can you can be with them in, in the good time and keep in touch. As yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. catch up for coffee if you can. And like even you can, I guess one of the things is you may want to make them proud. Like whatever you do endorsement on LinkedIn or you write a post on LinkedIn to acknowledge them, like let's say your mentors or, or your professional connections. That's, I mean, that's, that works as well. Like, but you definitely want to be more authentic and don't fix yourself because there are too many people like faking themselves on LinkedIn and just like writing stuff that's not, you know, just, yeah, just look really disgusting. So make sure you are being honest and you are being authentic. Yeah, I mean, connections, there are plenty of connections uh, in the world. If you connected with that person, great. If you guys don't have a common ground, that's okay as well. Yeah, just be yourself and yeah, be humble, be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing I'd like to add is importance of adding a message to someone you want to connect with is quite important, just giving them a context. Even if you're coming through a mutual connection or someone you don't know, but would like to follow their work and know more about them, it's always a good idea to add a message um, rather than just sending straight LinkedIn connection request. Yeah, especially for LinkedIn. Like a lot of recruiters, uh, well, baby recruiters, they they just started their career. They they send out a lot of um, invitations to people but they got blocked uh, by a lot of people and then LinkedIn will ban their portfolio for, you know, like two weeks or a month. So uh, yeah, make sure you do it in a good way and and make people comfortable when you are like sending out invitations and connecting with people. Right. That brings us to towards the end of the podcast. So three last questions and we're done. (laughs) So this is going to be rapid fire. So I'll ask three questions very quickly. So the first one is, who inspires you and why? Oh, I can't think of a specific person, but I would say experiences. Like, yeah, not necessarily a person. Like when I was, I was in Israel um, last year, I was doing an internship with, with UQ and doing exchange as well. And that's really inspiring because, you know, we're like living in Australia for a few years, kind of understand the staff ecosystem here. But when I got to Israel, Tel Aviv and I just find like, oh, wow, absolutely the other level. Whatever the technology and, and the mindsets, the people, just just different. Like as a small city, they achieve a lot and they are really innovative. Like you really can tell from the cultures, from all the conversations, from the people you just met. So I guess experiences, whatever you're traveling, you're studying or you're like doing work or internship. Yeah, that's that can be really inspiring. That's an amazing answer. I never heard someone saying experiences in, which are inspiring to them, uh, apart from saying a person. But again, this was, you know, th- that's amazing that you, what you mentioned about 
experiences are in- inspiring. And uh, sometimes your very own experiences can be inspiring too, um, similar to in your case. Yeah, and I guess not only experiences, but also the reflection afterward. Like, okay, you got inspired by something, whatever a person, an object, or something tangible, intangible. It's about when you reflect what you learn from that experience or from that person, from that object. Yeah. Great. Moving on to the next one. What's your favorite movie? Movie? Wow, I haven't watched movie for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. But if you're, if you're talking about book, I would say the Lean Startup. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like if if you are into entrepreneurship, you will see Mm -hmm. like the Lean Startup as kind of like the Bible of entrepreneurship and innovation. So uh, if you if you are interested in entrepreneurship, definitely you you don't have to like you know read a read a book, but like at least go on uh, the internet and check out some videos. There's a tech talk about it, and like 15 minutes, you you have an overall overview of of entrepreneurship and startups so what's your favorite startup favorite startup wow there, there are lots actually in, in in australia one really inspired me in israel i can't even remember the name but i just uh, went to an exhibition and i saw their devices so pretty much what they do is they uh it's, it's a hardware they um can turn air into drinking water and that's a really cool technology yeah, that's quite interesting. Never heard of that. Do you know if they're planning to scale it up and bring it to the main market anytime soon? Well, I guess just a little bit of the context of like this startup. Because, you know, um, in Israel, um, people are struggle or are challenged by different difficulties, like whatever from political reasons or geographic reasons. Yeah, so, um, and that's how like entrepreneurs in Israel, they build really innovative and really like game-changing technology like this because they, they don't have enough drinking water in the deserts and they have to build devices like this. So um, yeah, and, and there are like billion of examples in Israel, in not that many Australia, but still, you know, like Canvas, a lot of successful stories here. But like, just look at the world. And, and, and one thing I realized when I was uh, in Israel is, the world is really big. I mean, like there are a lot of problems in the world and we're responsible for a lot of problems. Whatever climate change, you know, like bushfire in Australia is really heartbreaking. The fires we are like, you know, experiencing now in, in China and all over the world. And I guess we are actually responsible to these challenges and these um, uh, issues in the world. So that's why we, we need to be entrepreneurial and we need to adapt these this challenges and uh, yes. flip and flip it and, and, and challenge ourselves to build something um, for the world. So, so. so you basically, for, to be an entrepreneur, you just have to look around yourself and be a lot more aware of these normal situations in the life and come up with a solution of any problem that you um, see around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Australia is, is, is good. It's, it's, it's a wealthy economy, but I really, like, I was really thinking, like, you know, Australia is 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 a well as a wealthy economy. Why are we just good at selling coal's like natural resources, natural gas, and meat mm. agriculture? Why are we not doing things like R and D technologies like other countries like Israel? Like for their GDP exp- expenses, like they they have like more than forty percent of their GDP are come from high tech sector. But like yeah. if you look at like Australia, natural resources education maybe 
and then like tourism. So definitely something we can catch up and something we can um, do more in, in this country. Definitely. Right. And thank you so much for your tips today. And I'm pretty sure that anyone listening to us today will be able to think about the entrepreneurship and be motivated to pursue the ideas they met that might be lingering on in their mind for a while. Thank you for your time, Ocean. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. And if anyone is interested to find out more about Ocean's work, go check out his website, oceanchonk.com. He has some amazing tips, blogs, and lots of videos um, which shouldn't be missed out at all. Thank you for joining our international story. See you next time. <laughs>